Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. The iCritical Care Podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is the Society's Associate Editor for Podcasts, Dr. Richard Savell. Dr. Savell is the Associate Director of the Surgical Intensive Care Unit at Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York. He also is an Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care Podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email info at sccm.org. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. Today is January 17th, 2008, and I'm Dr. Richard Savell. First up, news. Two studies pose new questions about commonly used severe sepsis treatments. Two trials published in the January 10th issue of the New England Journal of Medicine reported that recommended adjunctive treatments for severe sepsis, intensive insulin therapy, and corticosteroids have shown unexpected results, suggesting that the treatments may not be as effective as initially thought. In one study by Brunkhorst et al., targeting serum glucose to 110 mg per deciliter rather than the traditional 180 to 200 mg per deciliter, increased severe hypoglycemia and serious adverse events among severe sepsis patients without reducing mortality rates or organ failure scores. In a separate study by Sprung et al., mortality rates were no better with low-dose hydrocortisone than placebo, regardless of patient's response or non-response to adrenal stimulation with corticotropin. In part because of these findings, members of the Surviving Sepsis campaign, including researchers from both trials, downgraded use of both treatments from recommended to suggested. The updated guidelines were published in the January issue of Critical Care Medicine. A lead investigator for the Surviving Sepsis Campaign, Society of Critical Care Medicine Secretary Mitchell Levy, MDFCCM, commented on the study results and provided an audio report to MedPage Today. Quote, our field is getting more complicated rather than more simple, he said. The studies came as a reminder that, quote, few critical care practices or treatment recommendations are based on unequivocal evidence, commented Simon Finfer, M.D., of the University of Sydney in Australia in an accompanying New England Journal of Medicine editorial. Quote, in some instances, critical appraisal and an open mind may be more appropriate than unquestioning adherence to guidelines. Multiprofessional team credited with man's miraculous survival. The optimistic prognosis for the Manhattan window washer who survived a 47-story plunge when his scaffolding equipment failed gained international media attention, including a front-page article in the January 4th issue of the New York Times. Alcides Moreno's survival and recovery are being attributed to the acute care delivered by the multiprofessional team of healthcare professionals at New York Presbyterian Hospital while Cornell Medical Center the Society of Critical Care Medicine's President-Elect Philip S. Berry, M.D., M.B.A., F.C.C.M., is Chief of the Division of Critical Care and Trauma at the hospital and helped lead the team responsible for saving this man's life. The headlines throughout the print and television media highlighted Mr. Moreno's miraculous survival, but also offered Dr. Berry and others the opportunity to stress the importance of the multiprofessional team. When Mr. Moreno arrived at the emergency department on December 7, 2007, Doctors described his condition as, quote, a complete disaster, 
and Dr. Barry acknowledged that the team was scouting largely uncharted medical territory, having no experience in treating someone who had fallen from such a great height. Major trauma is the epitome of team-oriented, patient-centered care, Dr. Barry explained. The Weill Cornell Medical Center, the busiest level one trauma center in New York, activated its trauma team after learning of the patient's imminent arrival to the emergency department. Dozens of people, including trauma surgeons, surgical subspecialists, emergency physicians and nurses, anesthesiologists, operating room nurses and technicians, and radiology and blood bank technicians contributed to his care, while others in the intensive care unit prepared for his transfer. The medical care that saved Mr. Moreno's life was delivered by an integrated, multi-professional group of critical care professionals who worked closely as a single, cohesive group, Dr. Barry said. Teams like this, directed by a physician dedicated to the ICU and credentialed in critical care medicine, provide stunning, sometimes even miraculous, medical outcomes. Again, quoted Dr. Barry. SCCM News. Deadline approaching for in-training exam for intensivists. Assess knowledge gaps and receive an objective measurement of your critical care fellowship program and its participants with SCCM's Multidisciplinary Critical Care Knowledge Assessment Program, or MCCKAP. Directors often administer the exam as a preparation tool for the critical care subspecialty examination or as an identifier for topic areas that need to be reviewed. In addition to individual scoring, your institution's overall scores are ranked by percentile and compared to other participating institutions. This exam is administered by critical care program directors from March 10th through the 14th, 2008. Please contact customer service at 1-847-827-6888. January is National Mentoring Month. Critical care clinicians have many important professional responsibilities, including lifelong learning and teaching. Help new and seasoned practitioners reach their professional and personal goals by becoming a mentor this January during National Mentoring Month. Establishing working relationships and collaborating with colleagues is a mutually fulfilling experience for both mentor and mentee. Make a positive impact and discover the benefits of developing a mentorship experience. Here are a few ways you can become involved. Educate hospital practitioners on what an intensivist is or how the model works. Begin building relationships in January during National Mentoring Month and continue efforts through May, which is National Critical Care Awareness and Recognition Month. Continue the lifelong learning process by accessing LearnICU.org for relevant and timely clinical information, practice guidelines, fundamental programs, on and more. Attend an educational conference, meeting, or social event and interact with colleagues to exchange ideas and share clinical expertise. Post clinical questions and answers on the Society of Critical Care Medicine's free public discussion tool, Critical Care Forums. SCCM members can volunteer their time and expertise by joining one of the 13 chapters or 14 specialty sections or by becoming a member of the Society of Critical Care Medicine's Creative Community in Critical Care. Applications to join the creative community are due by May 15, 2008. To learn more about National Mentoring Month, visit www.mentoring.org. Participants sought for International Nutrition Survey. In 2007, more than 150 intensive care units from 22 countries participated in an international survey aimed at improving nutritional therapy in the critically ill. This survey, led by Darren Hayland, M.D., from Queen's University in Canada, collected data on the clinical condition 
nutritional status and care and outcomes of ICU patients. The results showed that provisions for nutritional care were suboptimal. Organizers plan to repeat the survey this year and are seeking participants. The survey aims to identify further opportunities for improvement and to inform future educational initiatives. The information collected from critical care practitioners worldwide may translate into improved clinical outcomes for critically ill patients. Visit www.criticalcarenutrition.com for more information. Education and Resources Help advance your hospital's rapid response program. Obtain the needed skills to advance your team's functionality and develop a capable, seasoned rapid response program during the Society of Critical Care Medicine's Rapid Response System Training to be held March 27, 2008 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. This concentrated one-day course will include a brief overview of the rationale, evidence, and structure of rapid response systems, a review of the anatomy of a rapid response team call, and tips for effective communications and crisis management. Participants will break into small workgroups to circulate through interactive modules that troubleshoot calls on airway, breathing, circulation, and neurology, and that address implementation barriers and solutions. Register today, as space is limited. Advanced registration will end on February 28, 2008. Optimize treatment of common infectious organisms in the intensive care unit. ICUs worldwide are faced with increasingly rapid emergence and spread of antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Infection with a resistant organism has been associated with increased morbidity and mortality rates as well as increased hospital costs. Few antimicrobial agents remain effective, for these resistant bacteria, and gram-negative resistance will likely continue. Clinicians, therefore, must manage infections aggressively while practicing appropriate steps to minimize future resistance. During the Society of Critical Care Medicine's new conference, Pharmacotherapy and Critical Illness, expert faculty will investigate evidence-based strategies that can optimize treatment of common infections in the ICU setting. Other topic areas to be addressed include sedation and delirium, as well as neurological emergencies. This conference, Pharmacotherapy and Critical Illness, will be held March 28th and 29th, 2008, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. And finally, ventilator-associated pneumonia rates, a new quality measure. Legislators, payers, and quality of care advocates across the United States are considering a plan to require hospitals to report ventilator-associated pneumonia rates as a way to benchmark quality of care, according to a study published in the December 2007 issue of ACP Hospitalist. A handful of states, including Illinois, Pennsylvania, and South Carolina, have already passed such legislation. Obtain the latest quantitative and qualitative data to maximize patient outcomes at the Society of Critical Care Medicine's new conference, Mechanical Ventilation, Trends in Adult and Pediatric Practice, to be held June 19th and 21st, 2008, in Seattle, Washington. Gain strategies for preventing VAP as well as evidence-based information on the following topics. Risks and benefits of invasive and non-invasive mechanical ventilation, lung recruitment strategies, goals and ventilatory strategies in common disease conditions, and more. Again, feel free to contact SCCM Customer Service at 1-847-827-6888. For the iCritical Care Podcast, I'm Dr. Richard Sabell. Join your colleagues February 2nd through the 6th, 2008 in Honolulu, Hawaii, USA for SCCM's 37th Critical Care Congress.
bring the entire family for this special Congress, which will combine learning with ample leisure and tour opportunities, making the 2008 Congress one you will not soon forget. You won't want to miss such highlights as the modified schedule, pre-Congress courses, Hopper Pass, casual dress code, the post-Congress event on Kauai, and more. The Society's 2008 Congress is not just a meeting, it's an experience. For details or to register, visit www.sccm.org.